The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters, doesn't it? It really does. And I have a story from many years ago. I will call, well, let's just call him Joe. We know my husband's name is Joe. This is not about Joe, but we'll just call him Joe. Right. About a student similar to kiddos that we talk about frequently who rely on their behavior to communicate. Yeah. Um, this Joe used low-tech communication systems, pictures and things like that, and was just beginning to do that. And so really relying heavily still on his behavior. And it was hitting, kicking, I mean, truly hurting people with his behavior to ask for what he wanted, to get away from things he didn't want. And we had tried a lot of different things to try to help him one thing that we did know that he liked and really the only thing that he really liked was drawing. So we had tried a lot of things to try to help him stop hurting people using his pictures and and, uh, to ask for what he wanted and setting him up to have the things that he wanted and, and all those kinds of things. And we finally came down to, this is what's going to happen. I created a paper warning system that he would get three chances and then he wouldn't get to have paper anymore that day for drawing. Yeah, that's not a fun way to go about it, but we had tried a lot of things, setting up a whole lot of fun stuff. Yeah, and sometimes we have to, you know, once we've exhausted all of the positives, at times we have to go to the not so positive. And, you know, the key is, as you know, to take data and see if the not-so-positive decreased the problem behavior. And if it does, great. You don't have to use it anymore. And if it doesn't, you know, it's like, you remember my little, my story about the little guy that said, la maestra is loco? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah. nothing else had worked. And we did it, and it worked, like, that day. And so we didn't have to do it again. So sometimes those things happen, and, you, you know, you just have to go there. Exactly. So he would get three. I had made a little visual with a picture of the paper and it said paper warning with kind of the same sign you use on poison and then three, two, one. And so if he was hurting others with kicking or hitting or whatever, I would take the three off and show him that and say, you know, this is your paper warning until he had no numbers left. And then he would be told, you know, or shown with a visual, no more paper for today. What did he do when he reached number three and lost the paper? Well, it was a rough day. (laughs) (laughs) And I can remember saying to the paraeducators in my classroom, you know, because it was probably 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning on that day when he had run through his warnings. It was just a really rough day to start and it didn't get any easier after that. And I can remember saying, it's going to be hard. Yeah. (laughs) You got to work through it. You got to work through it. Exactly. But he doesn't get to have paper anymore today. We just have to hang tough and try to get him to do some work, try to find other things. You know, he, he could still have an opportunity 
you know, to play a video. Well, back then it was really more computer games. He can play a computer game. We can have him do some of those kinds of things, but he doesn't get to have paper for the rest of the day. And, you know, there was still some, a lot of blocking and keeping him, you know, away from the other children and setting things up so that no one got hurt severely, but that he got the message Mm-hmm. If you've used all your warnings, now paper is not an option for you anymore. Right. A similar story, and I think we've talked about this in the past, was a mom that I knew mm-hmm. who uh, did the coolest thing with her little guy. He earned tickets at home for doing good things. Lots and lots of tickets. Well, he had a really hard time if he lost a ticket. She would want to, you know... Yeah. Make him lose a ticket if he did something significant like hurting others or destroying property. So her response to that was you're losing two tickets. Uh, And if you can handle losing your two tickets, you get one ticket back for handling. I kind of remember the story. Yeah. She taught him some self-regulation that way. Yeah. You know, she taught him to reel it in and not have this explosive reaction because he could earn a ticket back. And then he traded those tickets for going to the store and buying things or, um, you know, getting to go on activities that he wanted to go on. And so, you know, we don't like to have to go with taking things away from kids. But if you have exhausted all other options, at times you do have to. Now, the day that our little guy lost his paper chance, again, a, a rough day to get through, trying to make sure everybody stayed safe. Knowing that he is not happy (laughs) at all, (laughs) but (laughs) also knowing we have to stick to it. We have to stay the course. We have to stay with the plan. So he truly understands what has happened related to his behavior. So got through that day. The next day when he comes back, we have the ready, you know, the paper warning ready with three, two, one on it again. So now he knows mm-hmm. you, you have another opportunity. You get your paper again today. Now, I know teachers who will do things like reset at noon. You know, sure. if you if you have a student that you've set something like that up with, we'll talk about this in a, in a minute when we talk about the question. We'd rather go the fun route instead of sure. the not so fun route. But If you've set something like that up, it's a great idea to reset at noon, particularly if you think we're not going to make it to 830 before he doesn't get paper anymore. You know, yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I know teachers too who, and you probably I'm sure you thought about this, you know, start with more, right? Start with like 10 chances or five chances, or you know, you wouldn't want 10 chances to hit, but you know, and then But yeah, I like the idea of resetting. I like the idea of, um, you know, staying the course. Yeah, that's good. Those are good. Yeah. And how do we decide, Susan, if we're going to give them three chances or five chances or how many chances? Well, I would say if I was talking with a teacher to collect baseline data to see whether or not where he is right now at by what time of the day and then start maybe with one less than that. You know, since you talk about kids who use their behavior to communicate, I was with a little girl this week and, you know, we talk about little girls and how oftentimes they're, they have pretty tough behavioral repertoires and she loved mirrors and loved water play and loved, you know, quite a few things. Like there was a little toy that she liked. She likes her snack, her, her, her lunch. And, 
you know, we talked about setting up a choice board with photos of those desired items and activities and, and, and requiring her to use the picture, you know, to ask for it. She had happened to come to school with a kit, a lunch kit full of pancakes and syrup and eggs. And so evidently she loves sugar. So I just, you know, I ran quite a few discrete trials until she got satiated with the pan, little, little piece of pancake and syrup, you know, to get eye contact mm-hmm. and to get her to sit. You know, she was one of those kids that just roamed and screamed. She loved the sound of her own scream. She didn't like it when other people screamed, but she could scream all day. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've got to give them a way to communicate. It's it's all about communication, basically. Truly all about communication. And my little guy was not grasping that his behavior was impacting others, really. He was yeah. really just trying to tell us what he needed. Absolutely. Um, but he absolutely got the paper warning thing. And, you know, the next day when he came back and he had three opportunities, he really only lost one. You know, and, really, and, and it worked on and on and on. I mean, there were days when he might lose two. But, oh, my gosh. But, yeah. And the more his communication came into play, the less that he relied on his behavior. And one of the most fun things for me is I got to be aware of this student, you know, for many years to come. And when he was in high school, he was he was a big kid, big kid. And the high school staff referred to him as the gentle giant. Oh, and, you know, I would think to myself, should have seen him at nine. <laughs> Not so gentle at nine. That's so important, Sissy. And, you know, we talk so much about working through it. It's worth the work. It's worth the work. It's worth the work. And, you know, if he had come in the next day and he'd lost three by 930, you know, and the next day he lost three, we might go to a plan B. But when something that powerful works so fast, you know, it is so important to like you said, ride that wave, ride that course, stay the course. Yes. So that, that's a great, great, great story. And I love the outcome of the gentle giant. What a sweetheart. Yeah, to me. And of course, I didn't expect to hear that when he was a high school student, but it was so rewarding to realize that his communication had taken the place of behavior to tell us what he wanted. And honestly, whether you're working with a child with a disability or you're talking about your own children and changing, you know, your typically developing child's behavior, it's about communication. That is why two-year-olds bite, you know, Mm -hmm. that is why young children engage in behaviors. They don't know another way. Mm -hmm. And as soon as those things begin to come into place, they rely on it less. Unless, of course, you give in to all of that. On a regular basis, I mean, we were watching an Andy Griffith show and this one kid moves into town and tries to convince Opie he just needs to have a tantrum every time he wants something. Yeah. <laughs> because it had been working for this other kid. Again, yeah. its behavior was working. It was communicating. And his daddy uh, wouldn't work. reinforce that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to keep it going. But anyway, uh, really cool to see the the kiddo respond to the paper warning and it changing that and, and the communication coming into play and changing it long term. But that you did make a really good point that if if he had come in the next day and lost all of his warnings by 930 or 10, or even if he lost all of his warnings by one, 
Mm-hmm. two o'clock, whatever it was for the first week, you've got the wrong plan, <laughs> you know, because he's going to hurt you or someone else. Our goal is education. Our goal is not teach a kid not to hit, but sure. if hitting is happening, it's kind of hard to teach them reading and writing and math. Absolutely. But um, yeah, so I would have had to rethink everything. I would have needed to uh, call someone like you because I do think that you consulted to my classroom at one point. That just says I'm really old. <laughs> no, no. It says that you were already consulting when you were quite young, which is true. Uh, anyway. Sissy, do you have a question? I do. In the story today, I had a visual set up that was a paper warning for Joe to let him know that he was going to lose paper. He had three opportunities if he hit or kicked her or, you know, hurt someone, he would lose a number until all the numbers were gone. And then he wouldn't get to have paper for the rest of the day. Yikes. So does the paper warning represent A, positive reinforcement, B, negative reinforcement, C, positive punishment, D, negative punishment, E, cost response, F, both B and E, G, both <laughs> D and E. <laughs> Sorry, there's so many letters, but that's how the test goes. It is how the <laughs> test goes. And so what was it? A was positive. Okay, so B, C, D, E. And then what was F? F was both B and E. So both negative reinforcement mm-hmm. and cost response. Or G was both D and E, which was negative punishment and cost response. Okay. All right. Um, That's a great question. Before we get into our answers, let's hit a little bit the autism supplement and why I was a little hesitant to share this story. Okay. Um, Let's do You know what the supplement says about behavior interventions, right? Positive behavioral supports. Um, including antecedent-driven interventions, as well as FBA and a BIP in some cases. So, yeah, yes, let's do talk about And that we should be using reinforcement strategies, right? Yes. In Texas. Texas is the only state that has the autism supplement, but we call ourselves the United State of Texas. So if you're outside of the state of Texas, you probably don't have an autism supplement. Right. So, yeah, I probably gave a little bit away of the answer. That's okay. Um, Let's walk through each one. So one thing I want to point out is, you know, we talked about one possibility of a plan B would be to increase the number of of tickets, right, of papers. But you don't want to increase it too much because you don't want to say like, okay, you get 15 hits today and then you lose your paper, right? So it makes sense that you get chose only three because it's like, how much do we really want to tolerate? You know, going up to five even, that that might be a lot for some people to tolerate, especially if it's a big kid. You know, and it really hurts. So that makes sense that you did three. So with positive reinforcement, we are adding something to in the environment to increase behavior. And we're not adding anything and we're not increasing behavior. With negative sure reinforcement. don't want to increase that hidden. <laughs> no. Negative reinforcement, we're removing something in the environment to increase behavior. Right. So you were removing the tickets, but you didn't want to increase the hitting. You wanted to decrease it. So with positive punishment, again, you're adding something to the environment to decrease problem behavior, right? Well, you aren't adding anything to the environment. You're removing something. So negative punishment would be removing something to decrease behavior, which 
is what your paper system did. So we know it's D. It also is a cost response because with a cost response, your behavior costs you something, right? So when you hit, you lose these tickets. So we know D and E is correct. So we know it's not B and E because it's not negative reinforcement. So the answer has to be G, D, and E, negative punishment and cost response. Is that right? That is correct. And, you know, again, we come back to that idea of we don't frequently use cost response in Texas public school special education if we can avoid it. And we try as much as we can to set up reinforcement instead of punishment. And if we do, it's noted very clearly in the behavior intervention plan. And, you know, that's, I guess, something else we can talk about another day. But I did a training this week on FBAs and for school psychologists and behavior specialists. And one of the things that kept coming up was that the teachers need to understand and read and own the BIP, the behavior intervention plan. And the principal needs to, and the assistant principal, and the coach, and the music teacher, and everybody that interacts with that kid. Because remember, we had a case in your old district where a student left, she ran out, and our friend um, Angela was the teacher, and the student ran out, and the campus security had to kind of help her down from like climbing a water tower. And her BIP said only two adults interact with her at one time. And so mm-hmm. the campus police was there, the principal was there, and the teacher was there. And that teacher knew the BIP well enough to know there was a reason for that recommendation in the BIP, right? Something probably happened in the past where there were too many people and mom wanted it to people only. And so it was important for the teacher to leave so that when the mom got there, she knew we were following the BIP. If that hadn't happened, it could have resulted in, you know, a complaint or a due process filing or something like that. So anyway, I'm getting off topic, but I feel like we work so yeah, hard. But also a really big reaction from that kid. I mean, there's a reason it was in the FBA. Yeah. You know, are yeah. we going to escalate the kid? And then the kid gets in more trouble right. when we weren't following the right. FBA. No. Exactly. And, and you know, I think we spend so much time and energy and, and sweat Um, creating and developing FBAs. And then we do the same with developing a behavior intervention plan that's linked to the FBA. And if people don't follow it, you know, it's a legally binding document. And, you know, I don't know how to do it, but I, paraprofessionals need to be trained on the BIP, you know, anyway, I'm off on a tangent, but you guys, we really appreciate you listening today. And as always, we would love a review and or a like on our social media pages We hope you have a great weekend and we will be talking with you all soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.